Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the THP Strength Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about upper body and how it relates to jumping. First, we're going to introduce ourselves. My name is Isaiah Rivera. I am a professional dunker, and I'm also obsessed with jump training. I have been training athletes for about almost two years now, and I also have been obsessed with studying it for the past almost 10 years. I have my bachelor's degree in exercise science for University of Central Florida, and I am John's Padawan. He has mentored me for the past like three years. So yeah, that's me. Also, I have 48 inch vertical uh, and I worked <laughs> for it. That. You should probably <laughs> include that. Yeah. <laughs> tested, right. tested officially on a Vertec. Yeah. So this is my favorite part of every episode because usually I just rant and make I'll every day it's going to be different. I'm just going to like put different credentials in. So today my name is John Evans. I am a five foot 11 and a half pro amateur dunker as in I almost did an East Bay yesterday. So I'm officially a dunker. If you can do a windmill in an East Bay, you're a dunker. You have three dunks in your bag, four if you include a two-hander, and that's me. So I'm a pro dunker. I have a 40, just under 40 inches. I'll say 40 inches because I'm more legit than other people in my testing, testing protocols. If I were to say my actual vertical, according to everyone else's protocols, what would you say Probably my vertical like 42. Like 42, 42. Yeah. I have a 42 and I would, vertical. And I would have a 50. <laughs> And Isaiah would have, a, I have a 42, Isaiah has a 50. I'm responsible for coaching Isaiah to 40, from 42 and a half, 43 to 48, getting his knees healthy. And I have a master's degree in sports science. I've interned a bunch of places and know a lot of shit. I'm very good <laughs> at what I do. I'm pretty smart. I'm like a brain. I'm a brain as yep. well as an athlete. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> all right all right so this week's podcast is brought to you by legion supplements one of the biggest questions we get asked is how can i improve recovery one of the only ways to do this is to give your body more of what it already needs increasing bioavailability of these micronutrients can help you in other words it lets your body do what it is already trying to do during recovery but way better baby use the code thp at checkout if you decide to purchase some of the uh, supplements and secondly we want to shout out hawkins dynamics if you're looking for force plates to fact check us go check them out they have great leasing options and lastly if you are looking to get coached by us to jump higher run faster be stronger just be a better human overall go to thpstrength.com you'll get personally coached by me and john evans customized training you can also sign up for a consultation call and on there, we can talk to you about full service options and see if you're a good fit for us. Or you can sign up for training only. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. I guess this is how we start all our podcasts. John, what is your experience with training upper body? Yeah, we didn't even we didn't even introduce the topic here. So today's oh, no, podcast. At the, at the beginning, at the beginning. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I was sipping coffee from my new THP mug. Shout out my girlfriend, Lauren. You're the best, Lauren. I love you. Smoking hot wife. What is that? Ricky Bobby. Yeah, what's the welfare? What's it called? The Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so my experience with upper body training. I have included it and taken it out of my training a number of times. I, generally speaking, am way lighter when I take out, well, just lifting in general. But when I take out upper body training, I'll usually, I'll usually lose weight at first. And then I'll start to gain weight. And I think the reason why is because I actually start to gain fat mass, which maybe we can get into a little bit in the podcast here. But I tend to, I guess, I mean, the topic really is this. So our experiences are pretty relevant. Yeah. <laughs> but I will tend to, 
I will tend to gain fat mass when I take out the upper body. And that's if I do it for an extended period of time. So if I take it out the first month, I'll usually just jump higher. And then as I have it out longer, I will generally start to get a little bit pudgier. So the upper body volume kind of serves as a means of adding volume to my training and makes me a little bit leaner in the end. But if I get too big and I start to hypertrophy too much, then it'll also hurt my vertical. So it's a, a sweet spot. Uh, oh, excuse me. It's, it's a sweet spot for me in terms of that's right. Ladies, I am a <laughs> bachelor to the rapture. Yeah. There's a sweet spot for me in terms of upper body volume, in terms of upper body mass as a one foot jumper, I will say it, it has never helped my high jump. I think it's helped my dunking a little bit, but it, it's almost never good for my high jump. When I start looking like a gorilla from doing too much upper body volume. Like when my body composition looks really good, when I, if you were to take a mirror selfie, I'd be yoked. My high jump is usually not great because that requires me to do a lot of upper body volume. And my arms are so long that I, I look like a gorilla. I don't even know how else to explain it. I look so awkward and disproportionate and it just doesn't help. So yeah, I think for me that there's a sweet spot with it, but it definitely does help my body composition. Yeah. So my experience with it is it all started in high school when I started strength <laughs> training for basketball. Obviously, in as a basketball player, you got to be strong, especially the higher the level of competition, the stronger you got to be because it, it becomes a pretty physical game. So I started lifting upper body really consistently. I bought the book. Starting Strength by Mark Ripto. Yep, yep. I bought that book. So... <laughs> I use his routine. I was doing bench press. I'm alternating that with military press. Every other workout started getting pretty strong with that. And then after I graduated, that's when I completely focused on dunking. I stopped doing upper body completely because it, I just saw it like irrelevant to, to dunking and being better as a dunker. Also, I found that if I was doing a lot of bench pressing specifically and also trying and also dunking a lot, like dunking every day, my shoulders would get wrecked. I used to have a lot of issues with my shoulders, like shoulder impingement and that type of thing from doing upper body and dunking a lot at the same time. So from the age of 19 to basically now, I didn't do upper body ever. When I started working with John, we started adding in some circuit days and that's uh, like a super low volume of upper body. It's not very intense, but that we started working that into it. That helped my body composition a lot. And it has all the other benefits of circuit training, which we can probably cover in another podcast another day. And then most recently, I would say in the past maybe four to five months when I got when I got hurt with my back and my quad and all that stuff, I started doing actual like heavy upper body again, like trying to get my bench press up, uh, weighted pull-ups, rows, that, that sort of thing, military presses again, and actually like dedicated days to upper body. So I started doing that a lot. I started blowing up a little bit more um, upper body. My girlfriend liked it a lot, which was more motivation. <laughs> to keep doing more upper body. Let's, let's be honest here. Let's just take a pause real quick here. The only reason Isaiah and I have ever had <laughs> upper body was to look better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it feels good. And even not even just like 
for the ladies. Yo, I'll go to a freaking family gathering and they'll be like, oh, you look bigger. Or I'll walk into a basketball court. Somebody hasn't seen me in a while and they're like, yo, you're looking yoked. Like, it makes you, it makes you feel good. Um, Which is stupid because it's, but have you seen my calves? <laughs> have you seen my, my upper quad, baby? Have you seen my quad and my ass cheeks? <laughs> um, it's no, I haven't, John. Actually, that would be gay. It's not gay of you to talk about my nipples. Oh. It's 2020. Love wins. Yeah, so been looking better been a lot stronger with the upper body so that's been pretty fun but then most recently literally within the last two weeks now that i've started dunking frequently and this is probably the most frequently that i've dunked in maybe two three years maybe longer than that because when we first started we were just jumping once a week maybe twice a week but um now that i my dunking frequency has gone up i've seen the effect that upper body has on my dunking and overall been feeling really sluggish. My shoulders are a little achy when I'm dunking. They, my arms just feel heavy when I'm dunking. So I've been kind of trying to take a step back and analyze what effect um, upper body truly has. Talked with John about this. It's possible that this could just be fatigue, accumulated fatigue from the past months of strength training in the upper body. So it's possible that I could back off and it could have the same effect that the same reason we use strength training on the legs for jumping, we can back off and it's possible. I, I could get faster when I'm in the air doing doing the motions for the dunks and all that stuff. So that could be something we experiment with. Also, along with the same point, I recently finished reading Science and Practice Strength Training by Zatsiorski. And on there, they talk about how spe specificity is one of the most important things in adaptation. And one of the ways that they mentioned seeing what muscles are specific to whatever it is you're doing is do the activity at a very intense level and at a high volume and the next day see what muscle what muscles are sore so for jumping i'm thinking my my left quad my left ass cheek is always sore so what's, <laughs> what's probably the most specific lifts probably squatting and, and hip thrust or something like that yesterday john he was doing a, a lot of east bay attempts got really close did a shit let's, ton just, of let's just take a second here to pause and appreciate the fact that I went from not being able to East Bay on nine foot ever <laughs> to the highest completed East Bay being on eight, ten, maybe nine foot once to going to nine foot ten. <laughs> Real news, people. Real news. <laughs> so, yeah, that that took me back that, that was crazy when yesterday he called me and he was like guess what and i was like what and then he was like almost yeah what did you think i was gonna say i don't even know i wasn't expecting that though that was the last thing the last thing i was expecting was almost east bait on 910 but so that, i'll tell you what i wasn't expecting it either because <laughs> isaiah seen my attempts like how piss poor were my old attempts terrible it hurts the eye <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I was like, I looked like the letter seven. Like one yeah. leg is totally straight, the other leg's up. And it just looks so bad. I'm like bent over in a crippled position. Yeah. And my back always gets sore. And I'm like, I hate this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I was like, F this. I don't want to practice this. It's yeah. not worth it. And I was like, yeah, it's because your technique sucks. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, fair, but I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Anyways, what I he was saying really is, oh. yeah, my arms are really sore today. I texted him today and I was like, was it you or the chat? And I was like, why the F does it feel like my upper back <laughs> has gone through a blender? So if you've never dunked before and you were to go out on a low rim and just start trying all different kinds of trick dunks, 
right? Obviously, your legs are going to be sore. I mean, if you're a two-foot jumper, your quads, calves, shins, your ass, it's all going to be sore. But I would put your traps and, like, your shoulders and your upper back are going to be the second most sore muscle behind your quads. Like, it, they get absolutely wrecked when they're doing trick dunks. So there might be something to say about periodizing upper body strength training and, and jumping, specifically here's, the here's shoulders and your upper back. Yeah, and I feel like our experiences to pull this all together, there's no research on pro dunking and upper body work. There's very little research on upper body volume and jumping higher. I think they've done research to say that there's a certain percentage that contributes, like the arm swing contributes to your vertical jump. And so people assume, oh, if you have stronger arms, then you should jump higher. And I think that's a jump in terms of, that's a hell of an assumption. There's a lot of degrees of separation away from a jump and the contribution that you get from that and bench press or (laughs) whatever, swinging dumbbells in front of you. Yeah, there's a level of specificity to that, but max strength is probably not the answer because it's not directly pushing on the ground. It's not directly propulsive. You're getting the boost from timing up bottom dead center arm swing with your block foot and getting a really high peak force. And I would say that's probably more important than anything else. And that said, they've definitely not done research on approach jumps, bilateral approach jumps or unilateral approach jumps and the arm swings contribution to jumping. So I think more than anything else, the importance of the arms in the jump is syncing up bottom dead center arm swing with the block foot. But there's not really any research that's indicating that's more anecdotal using my scientific mind to come to conclusions when people don't do that well they don't jump high so i think again this is anecdotal but it's the best evidence that we have and that's why our experiences are gonna guide this podcast because there's not much else that we can go by yeah my hypothesis would be (laughs) my hypothesis would be that strength training the upper body wouldn't aid in increasing the vertical jump because of the muscle mass gained in the upper body and right mu- strength does go up higher in proportion than muscle mass but i don't think that they help to an extent that is enough that it'll offset the gain in muscle mass what i do think upper body would help with is technique right because if you periodize upper body strength training the, the, the whole point of periodizing is so that you can do whatever it is it is specific faster more explosive but i think if you were to periodize let's say let's take a, a behind the back for example the left arm is abducting in um so that's wait, wait, take wait, wait. A, abducting in or adducting in abduction uh, adducting, would be add add uh, thank god add <laughs> like your focus right adducting now. <laughs> in, yeah so you're, so your left arm is adducting in so that's your lat so i would think pull-ups rows any kind of pull would help with that um you're also and, internally rotating too yeah so yeah and then rotator cuff. and then your right arm you're externally rotating to catch the ball and no, then, the then you're abducting Wait, it, right? yeah no because you for the transfer You'd be up, your hands would drive up to your hand, your hands would drive up to your face, and then you're gonna internally rotate the left adduct. Yep. Yep. And you're gonna, let's see, that would be, you're gonna supinate your hand as well. And then the other hand, what's the other hand do? Is it so like, the other hand, so you're externally rotating at the shoulder because you're receiving it like this. So you're opening up this way. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like you're, 
That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah, how yeah. you push it into your hand. Mm -hmm. huh, cool. All right. Yeah. And then your adducting, you said. And then your abducting up. So that's like Ad adducting or abducting. A -B, on the catch. Yeah. So yeah, well, you're you adducting it. to you're receiving in, you're it. In adduction. <laughs> yeah. You adduct and externally rotate to receive it. And then you abduct as you lift the ball up. Yeah. And internally rotate to yeah yeah to finish. Finish yeah 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 wow i'm glad we're on the same page here isaiah yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so if you yeah i think strength training could help with that and then another factor or another variable that's important to consider is how your upper body mass affects mobility mobility because mobility i was thinking is, that too mobility is everything um, this is this is like the baseball like questioning. I was like, oh, should I bench press? Cause it's gonna ruin my mobility, and it's like, it might. And range of motion is important, but if you're throwing regularly, it probably won't impact it too much. Exactly. But if you're noticing a change, like maybe you're doing too much, or, yeah. or maybe you're not. But baseball is also different because your hands are really important in dunking for sure. But I would argue most people have the limb velocity to do what they need to do. Like most yeah. people inherently have the limb velocity to do it. It's not like you need to be mike tyson out there throwing jabs or whoever you don't have to have hands like that having fast hands helps but that that's another way another level higher that your hands are, don't need to move that fast you're also going to be limited more or you're probably going to be limited more by your ability to transfer the ball if you're doing anything with yeah. the transfer so another thing to consider too is the ball is a weight like it's a mass and you're trying it's so to... light that it's <laughs> so light yeah so I just think I, it's more of the coordination, right? Yeah. And you keep the ball in your hand. Your like your terminal velocity that you can move your hand upwards or whatever else is. You're never going to reach that, even if, with a ball in your hand. Let's say that you just held the ball with glue or yeah. a weight that weighed the same as the ball, and you're doing that arm action. You're never going to achieve that velocity in actual dunk because getting the ball into your hand, unless maybe you or Jordan or someone else, into your hand is going to be the biggest layer. Yeah, so <laughs> most people have the capability to reach the velocity needed to hit a dunk. The What's going to connect that is coordination. It's more about yeah. mobility and coordination. So I guess that's a like a contrary point against how useful would upper body strength. Because if you already have the speed necessary for it, you might be just better off working on on the coordination aspect of it and possibly the mo mobility aspect of it. So it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I think the only other piece maybe that I would add is the benefits that you get from, I'm getting called right now by Ryan Nagel. I can't believe you're calling me during a freaking podcast. Anyways, one of the I'm only other things. this time. Yesterday it was Dan. Dude, I don't know why. Like it happens. I bet, I bet you my girlfriend's going to call in two minutes. But yeah, like the training impact that you get or the training influence or maybe the outcomes that you get from adding upper body volume internally, physiologically, there's actually quite a bit. You could get increased hormone, the increased hormone, acute hormone changes or spikes, which again, some people say it doesn't matter, but I'm an error on the side of it does. Maybe it doesn't in your short-term study, your four-week study, but over the course of 32 weeks, like Chris Bearcat said, if you lengthen that out over the, the lifetime of your training, it probably does matter. You get the neural benefit of being able to output more, essentially, in whatever you're doing. You're, you, like your central nervous system is all connected. So if you're volitionally trying harder in upper body work, maybe that intent carries over to the legs. There is some research that shows that the crossover effect. And maybe there's some benefit there. You get the added benefit of just having more volume in general, more physiological stress there. You're getting more metabolites to build up. You're getting more 
inhibition from the neurotransmitters from neuron to neuron. You're getting more central fatigue and the ability to try harder and you're getting more stimuli with adrenaline and the different, I forget what they're called, the epinephrine, norepinephrine. Yeah. So neurohormones. And I think all of those kind of together combined create this fatigue cocktail where maybe over time, when you pull that volume away, you have something that you can really benefit from. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another reason why I'll keep it in there. It's still in my training. Also, <laughs> I don't take it out also, completely. It can have benefits for your health too. If, yeah. if you're lifting at like the proper volumes and you're not going heavy as fuck or super intense too often, like it can help with like your shoulder health. If people are experiencing yeah. an opathy at the elbow, like shit like that, like it can help in that regard as well. Yeah, I think you'd have to find the perfect balance of it, but uh, yeah, it's, there's definitely yeah. truth to that too. So I feel like we've covered most everything. Is there anything yeah, more yeah. missing here? And I also got to leave in five minutes. So the last thing, what is the THP strength? What, what's the final point? What's the conclusion? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but no, it really does. If you want it in your training, understand there are limitations and that you can't, do it or there are certain considerations that have to be made. you can't do it all the time you can't get big as shit yeah. you can do it and there are some benefits and there are certain times that you might want to take it look, out because you can see look at benefits. your goals are what your goals are and base your answer around that goal right if, if your, your goal, goal is to get women you should probably put up her in your training yeah <laughs> if you if your goal is to get women by being a freak athlete and having a big instagram following which doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> i guess it does because it makes you more confident and if more men respect you, then in a sense, then you carry yourself differently. Yeah. Maybe you'll get more women. It I, also, I it also being, is being a good person and being attractive is ultimately what matters. Yeah. And it depends how <laughs> willing are you to use your clout to attract people. Yeah. You're also going to be attracted usually doesn't to work. People. Yeah, it, it, we could go. In, <laughs> man, we could we could really go in right now. But I would say we, generally need, speaking, we need to do like podcast after dark where we talk about non like jumping related <laughs> topics. Yeah. People do funny. like that stuff. Yeah. I would say as far as the upper body thing goes with women, in my experience is it, as long as you have a good, you don't have to be massive. As long as you have a decent shape to you, you know what I mean? You are attractive enough as far as it comes to your upper body. Yeah. It, you're probably going to be fine. If your goal is to pick it definitely helps. Up, it, it helps. It helps a little bit. I would say for sure. Like it, it's better than being a blob and skinny. Like <laughs> it's, you should see it as icing on top of the cake. Yeah, you're not going to yes. get, you're not going to get a girlfriend because of your upper body. But if you have a girlfriend, she will like it more. I, I think it's more like a threshold. There's a threshold. There's an upper body threshold. Once you pass that threshold, you're good. You don't need to be <laughs> any bigger. It also depends on the type of women you're trying to attract yeah. and where you're attracting them. If you're trying to attract women, that you're at a bar or a club or something like that, being big will definitely help. Yeah. <laughs> like, but if your goal, because but if you're, you're at talking the about library, a bunch of random people, if you're at the library or something, or you've got a girl in your class, or you are meeting someone at a coffee shop, or you're going on a date from an app based on predicated on your success of one picture of you shirtless or some shit, yeah. like then it depends. It really does. I would say there's a certain threshold. You should look like I would say be built like an athlete. I want you to look like an athlete. Yeah. Do you look like an athlete? Are you fat? <laughs> Does your upper body, you don't want to be looking like a string bean. Like that's probably too, you want to look like an athlete. You want yeah. to look like a jumper that is athletic. Yeah. Look at Jay Clark. Look at Jordan. Look at Isaiah. Look at me. Look at look, these jumpers. You don't how need to you be. How you look matters a lot. Look good. Like 
you can definitely look at somebody and uh, like if someone's elite the most likely and in terms of like just pure output and how freaky they are in terms of output they will look like an athlete when i was when i first started working with john I wasn't a freak in terms of output, and I also I, I was I look softer, like I look yeah, more mushy. Look, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think with one foot jumpers, like high jumpers specifically, there's a certain look that you'll see. Like on the track, you can tell with jumpers specifically, like wit guys. There's like levels to it. You will see these what I call like rangy guys, where you're like that dude, but you don't know until you see them jump. But then you can realize, oh, looking like that. It also depends too, like speed versus power jumper, because there's that. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. But there's the the college athlete that you film. I think it's like University of Tennessee or University of Texas. Oh, those two. Uh, Daryl Sullivan. Yeah. He he's a tank. Is he's a freaky. He's a freak. We could, if, yeah, I wonder if we get him on the podcast. That'd be sick. That, that would be but, I would love to talk to him. Yeah. He's, Darryl, wait, 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 wait. We don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. Really, what you're saying was because once we start, and you got to go in one minute. Yeah. Really, all we're saying is. There's a sweet spot for your upper body with everything. There's a sweet spot if you're trying to date a girl, depending on what your goals are. There's a sweet spot for jumping. There's a sweet spot for body composition. There's a sweet spot for long-term periodization and jumping performance. You just got to know when to put it in, where to put it in. I'd say generally, if you're a jumper, put it in earlier in the year. Take it out when you want to get really specific. Simply put, right? All right. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that, Zay? I completely agree with that. <laughs> All right. I'll do, the, I'll do the closing statements. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Make sure that you like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure that you also leave a comment there. Give us five stars and tag us in your story. If you tag us in your story, we will repost you. We'd love to push out our podcast and get as much of this information out to people as we can. And that is all. We will catch you on tomorrow's episode. Peace out. Peace.